Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. My name is Luke Staten. The reason behind this creation is to share words of wisdom, hope and optimism through conversation that can show us just what's possible in life. I've been truly inspired by the words I have not only listened to, but deeply heard from the people I've shared conversations with. I hope you enjoy hearing how everyday people overcome trials and tribulations and when faced with adversity, find a way to use this to their advantage. Common theme throughout, from all the different guests on the series, from wherever they are from, whatever beginning, whatever background, is they all have a desire for more from life. They all want to live a life of fulfillment. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I do creating. Thank you for joining me. And thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. So when, when you go back to when you first met Gabby, was that at Loughborough University? Uh, yeah, so I was actually at Nottingham University. Um, but because it was um, quite close to Loughborough, I used to drive across um, to Loughborough and train there. Because um, obviously, yeah, it's kind of renowned for its sport and they've got like world-class facilities there. Um, so I just really liked the setup that they had and um, yeah, a really good training group. So um, yeah, although I wasn't actually at the university, um, I yeah, just used to drive across. And yeah, that's where I met Gabby and we used to train together. Um, Amazing. Yeah, middle distance. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started, really. And what would be the message for Evie that you just heard there singing who's like obviously 16, she's... 10 years younger than yourself at the beginning of a dream and you're right in the middle of it, so close to it. What words of wisdom would you give to her just in case she has to go off and do anything else before she goes? Yeah, no, definitely. I'd say just kind of definitely like pursue what you enjoy. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I'd even like followed running a bit more seriously a bit earlier than I actually did. Cause I think, yeah, going through school and stuff when you kind of got a passion like that, it's not like not everyone kind of has something at that age that they're really um, yeah passionate about. So I think it's like such a great thing that at that age, like you have something that um, you love that much. So I'd say just, yeah, I kind of definitely pursue it and see it as something that you can do as a career. Um, yeah, would kind of be my advice at this age. <laughs> Amazing. And when you say that, Kate, when you said that you wish you'd have taken running a little bit more serious. Uh, what, what age did you start to take it serious and why didn't you take it serious early on? Um, so I think kind of at secondary school, although at that point I joined like a local athletics club, um, it was kind of still something that I just kind of did as a hobby and I didn't really appreciate at the time that it was something that I could do as a career. Um, so even like when I went to university, yeah, as I said, I went to Nottingham, I didn't actually go to Loughborough. Um, whereas in hindsight, yeah, with the amount of driving, I kind of ended up doing like two Loughborough to train. I kind of wish I'd actually just gone there and really given it a go rather than at the time when I was at school, I was kind of told like, oh, you should kind of go somewhere based on like kind of academic and kind of not worry about sport. Like, and kind of, I was almost like swerved away from doing it almost. Um, yeah. But I kind of regret now not going to Loughborough and like really pursuing it a bit earlier. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I think just kind of being aware of where it could have taken me um, rather than kind of waiting till I graduated and then kind of focusing on it. Um, yeah, I just think I could have probably done it a bit earlier than I actually did. And it's amazing that you sat here as you've represented England, you represented Great Britain, and you're thinking, I wish I'd have started earlier, but you're, you're actually in a place that I guess most young athletes want to get to. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's always a way if you're kind of keen to do something and you have a passion like that, there's definitely a, like a kind of way to get into it kind of at any age. Um, but I just think kind of particularly with sport, there's kind of like so many kind of trials and tribulations that you have to go to to kind of reach the top that I just think almost if you kind of know it's something you're passionate about early on, then kind of go for it almost straight away. Um, yeah. yeah. But just kind of regret maybe yeah, just waiting those first couple of years to kind of go through those experiences that I kind of wish I'd done a few years before. So then I could kind of almost, yeah, hopefully have kind of gone a bit further a bit sooner. But um, but no, I think ultimately you kind of always can find a way to where you want to be eventually. So um, 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of all working out nicely but yeah I think that's just something that yeah, I would say to Evie is yeah to kind of just go after it now there's no point kind of yeah waiting really and, and it's interesting Kate because I, I sit here and honestly I feel like a big kid a lot of the time because I sit here opposite you and I'm thinking crikey I'm speaking to a, a like a, a GB athlete here that could be in the Olympics and it's like it, when I think like that, I get this little shock every now and again. Of, oh my goodness, because I love sport. I love athletics. I love all different sports. And I follow it really kind of closely because I admire anybody that's not only chasing a dream. However, for myself from a sporting background, I know how hard it is in sport. I know how many people want to be where you're sat today. And I know the sacrifices that it takes. So any sports person that's following a dream, I know what they will have gone through. And, and from knowing a few athletes as well, it's not like football, like, you know, as soon as you break onto the scene that you've got a new car, a big house, and yeah. you've earned plenty of money. And, and, and some of the stories that I hear about people at the level that you're at that are kind of doing jobs to be able to fund their dream. And even, even guys that compete in the Olympics sometimes, isn't it that you hear top athletes that compete in the Olympics still aren't financially in a position that they can support themselves without the right amount of funding. How does that all work for you? Yeah, no, definitely. No, I think that is kind of, yeah, what makes it kind of even tougher in a way. And maybe perhaps had kind of some of my earlier choices in terms of basing myself in Loughborough, that could have potentially probably helped me a bit more at the time in terms of getting some funding, because it's where um, British Athletics actually base themselves. So I think it's kind of just like decisions like that. I wish I'd kind of probably appreciated slightly earlier um, how that might kind of yeah have helped me um, fund it, as it were. Um, but no, it's really tough. Like I'm kind of always looking for part-time things that I can fit around training that um, kind of won't compromise, um, yeah, kind of like sessions and what I'm trying to do running wise. But yeah, at the end of the day, you've kind of also got to fund it. And um, yeah, getting on like the world-class program that's kind of like, yeah, our version of funding from um, the governing body is really, really tough. Um, and like, they're very ruthless. Like for example, when I was injured in 2019, um, yeah, kind of they're very quick to kick you off if you haven't performed. Um, so no, it's, it's really difficult. Um, I think you've kind of always got to have something on the side as well, just for, yeah, if something like that is to happen, then you've kind of still got a means of kind of supporting yourself and not relying necessarily, um, yeah, from funding from someone else that, um, yeah, it's not necessarily going to be there all the time. Yeah. And, and so as you sit here today, where, what stage in your career are you at right now, Katie? Um, so obviously, yeah, this year, the big goal is to try and make Tokyo. Um, yeah, I think I was actually quite grateful when I saw it being postponed. I was probably yeah, kind of in the minority that was because obviously yeah, loads of athletes were really disappointed, but I'd actually um, been injured, yeah, as I just said, in 2019. So I think kind of coming back last year and then trying to make the team would have been quite tough. Um, so actually, yeah, I've been quite fortunate that it was delayed um, to this year. So that's kind of the real aim at the moment. Um, and yeah, a bit kind of shorter term, there's European indoors coming up in March um, in Poland. Yeah. So I'm actually racing this weekend in Manchester and I'm going to try and qualify for that. Um, but again, just kind of with everything going on, it's a bit hard to know exactly kind of what the criteria is for like the team selection at the moment. Um, but for Tokyo, I think at the moment there should be a trial as of June um, where, yeah, if you're kind of top three there, which will kind of be our British champs, um, that will select your place. But until then, like kind of nothing's guaranteed. It's um, kind of, yeah, all to play for really between now and then. And it's just kind of preparing. Wow. Best as it's crazy it's just so it's kind of you're that close to becoming an olympian isn't it it's like you're you're right in the mix aren't you right now 
yeah no it's really tough because yeah obviously you can kind of train all this time but until those trials happen the end of June um yeah bearing in mind the games are kind of end of July August it's quite a like yeah last minute um yeah selection that they do it so um no it's kind of difficult you've kind of just got to yeah keep your head in the game I guess and just yeah hope come June you're kind of as best prepared as you can and um yeah get a spot but um no it will be very tough particularly at the moment in Britain like middle distance running is very strong so um yeah it'll be extremely competitive but um but yeah, hopefully we'll go there and run well. <laughs> so is it the 800 or 1500? Which is your preference? Um, so kind of the older I've got, I've actually moved towards the 1500. Um, yeah, a bit more, which, um, yeah, it's probably what I'll go for come, um, yeah, the trials in June. But I think kind of both the 800 and 1500, they kind of complement each other. So in order to run a good 15, you've kind of got to be, um, yeah, going well over the 800. So I don't know, near the time, if I do think I'm running over the 800, then obviously, yeah, I've kind of got till June to decide which one I ultimately go for. But I think, yeah, at the moment, I'd say my training's more tailored towards 1500. Um, yeah. And, and how, when you talk about these, the trials that you have, how does that work then in terms of the trials? Is it about time or is it positioning? How does it work? Um, so you've got to have like a standard um, in order to enter the trials in the first place. Um, and so that kind of counts as our like nationals, as it were. Um, but then you've also got to have like the Olympic qualifying time as well. So between now and June, you've got to go and run that. Um, but obviously with everything going on, it's really tricky to actually find races um, in order to do that qualifying time. So I don't know if near the time that's going to change slightly the criteria of what you've actually got to do, because obviously, yeah, it's just really difficult at the moment for any athlete to actually get in a race in order to run that time. Um, but like normally that would kind of be one um, of the right criteria. And then the other one is if you come top two in the race, that guarantees um, you a spot providing you've got the time. Um, otherwise, there's also one discretionary place because yeah, ultimately like three people per event can go. Um, but yeah, to guarantee it, you've got to have the qualifying time and come top two, or you've got to have the qualifying time and just hope, yeah, the selectors look upon you fondly if you aren't in that third spot. Um, Cause yeah, that's like the discretionary place. So yeah. They and how many people are in your kind of category that you're competing um, um, with and against to get that spot? So I'd say there's probably about four or five of us. It's a bit hard to know exactly which girls will go for which event because there's kind of a group of us that are kind of across 800, 1500, 5K. Um, so like in the summer when we had our British champs, um, the couple of girls there, they're probably likely to run a di different distance come this summer. Um, but then, yeah, you just don't quite know what people are going to do. I'd say, yeah, there's probably be about four or five of us. So it's going to be, um, yeah, very, very tight. <laughs> and how do you prepare for that then kind of, um, not in terms we'll talk about the physical in a little bit so sat here knowing that kind of has it always been a dream since a child to make the Olympics has that always been the thing yeah I think definitely yeah from a really young age it's kind of just yeah kind of always been the main goal is to make an Olympics I think it's just kind of like the pinnacle of like any kind of athlete's career is to go to Olympic Games um, and then particularly when they had the um, yeah London 2012 um, yeah I was really lucky to go to the like Super Saturday and I think that was just like so inspiring that I think particularly since then as well that's just made me really really want to um, yeah, yeah make the team. So now as you sat there knowing that that childhood dream, it's kind of there in front of you, you've got to run the times. How, how do you mentally prepare, I guess with COVID as well? And, you know, like you said before, there's the financial side that there's, there's an element of that. You've got to maybe find bits of work if you can to, to fit around mm -hmm. your athletics. How do you mentally get yourself in that state of mind that you kind of, you know what, you know what's needed, you know what times you've got to hit, you know there's some good competition yet, you know you're close to your dream. How do you manage to stay focused on on, on everything? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it's definitely really tough, but I think kind of over the last couple of years, I've kind of been in the mix. I've kind of been like third, fourth at trials. So I think having had that experience and having tried to make a chance before, I think that will kind of stand me in quite good stead come this year. Cause I think, yeah, obviously you can be in really good shape, but sometimes it's kind of just a means of like having that experience and going through, um, yeah, kind of like that championship experience that I think you can't almost like train for as it were. I think you've just got to go through that, um, which again, I think kind of brings me back to why I kind of wish I'd maybe started slightly earlier and kind of gone to someone like the junior champs, because I think that then gives you the experience to when you get to senior level and you're kind of in these kind of really heated moments, how to kind of cope with that. Whereas I think, yeah, you can kind of do all the training you like, but unless you've kind of been in that really kind of, yeah, high pressured environment before, it is kind of quite overwhelming. So I think, yeah. Yeah this year draw a lot on yeah kind of the last few years and like previous British champs I've gone to and um yeah I was lucky to go to the Commonwealth Games in 2018 I think it was so I've kind of experienced like a major champs and the travel and kind of everything that's involved and I think that um yeah will kind of hopefully pay off this year when I'm kind of in the same situation trying to qualify again amazing and did you make did you make the final was it did you make the final in 2018 uh yeah so yeah I went for the 1500 um that year so um yeah, no, that was a really good experience. And I think actually the Commonwealth next year is in Birmingham. So that will be really exciting to hopefully um, yeah, be able to try yeah. and get home one. Because, um, yeah, that one was on the Gold Coast in Australia, which, yeah, was an amazing experience. But, um, yeah, it was a long way to go. And um, yeah. manufacturing travel and everything. So I think kind of, yeah, hopefully by next year, things can um, kind of resume to normal and have like a crowd and everything at home. That will be, um, yeah, really, really good. What was it like, Katie, standing on that start line or building up to the start line, knowing you're in the final of a Commonwealth Games, you know, what, what was that, what was going through your mind in that moment? Because I, I love it when I watch kind of, you know, we all talk about, for example, Usain Bolt, when he's at the beginning and you see him getting his kit, he gives a fist pump to the kid that's sorting yeah. his kit out and he's super chill, he's the fastest man ever lived and he's relaxed. Now, how is it for you, you've been in the final and then you're getting ready to line up, what's going through your mind? Um, I think you're kind of just trying to like visualize the race and kind of play out your race, um, kind of like tactics in your mind and try and just yeah block out what's going on around you. Um, kind of not think about like kind of your competitors, spectators, because yeah, it's weird. You can almost like drown out the noise, even though obviously yeah, it's really loud within a stadium. Um, I think you've kind of just got to stay focused and like, yeah, kind of visualize your race plan. Um, and that's, yeah, kind of all you can do. But like, as soon as the gun goes, yeah, it's kind of yeah, you just block out everything. It's quite a like weird experience because, yeah, I think most people would maybe assume that, I don't know, you kind of hear the crowd, which I mean, you kind of do, but at the same time, you can't really like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It almost like you block it out, but then you obviously can't appreciate that they're there, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it definitely does. And and when you said tactics there, so a lot of people might be listening to this thinking, well, what tactics is the in a 50? I guess how fast you go, how quick you go, what, what, like, what, what tactics are going in through your mind as you're getting to that start line? Um, I guess we're well, quite often like a major champs it tends to be quite slow um, at least kind of like the first two laps or so so I guess it's kind of all about positioning then you've just kind of got to be aware of like who's around you um, what's going on like if it is slow it's quite often that then I don't know 400 meters to go or maybe a bit further out someone's going to kind of make quite a big move and um, kind of make it a bit of a burn up over the last lap so I guess it's kind of just ensuring that like you're near the front you're kind of ready to cover that move when it happens um, so yeah, I'd say that's kind of like the main thing that tends to happen in a chance, but obviously, yeah, like you can't um, control what other people are going to do. Sometimes some people just go really hard from the front. So again, you've kind of got to have a, like almost an A, B and C option and um, yeah, just kind of adapt once the race has started to what's going on. And how, and how much time, and, and, and people are watching this before I actually talk to you about this. What I've learned to do over, especially since January this year, I've learned to hear things that somebody says and then apply it to, 
kind of what I do because I'm thinking about you entering the race. I guess in what I do, it's like when I go to do a talk somewhere, I'm thinking of my tactics of how do I get people engaged? How do I get them to enjoy themselves? How do I take them on that emotional journey so I can take them through the story to, to plant a message? So I go into a speech with a tactic. It's like a business. A business has to have a plan, has to have a tactic. And often what people see is the actual performance. People see you, the, you know, the gun goes, they see off you go. And they don't really know what's gone off behind the scenes to get you to that place. And they don't really know what's going on. I'm fascinated with the detail that it takes for you to actually execute what you're looking to do. So how much time would you say that you kind of spend on the tactical side? Do you know how the others, do you, do you study the other runners? Do you know who's in the race? Do you know how they run? Or do you actually go with your game plan and make them fit to how you want to run? Um, yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, I mean, I'd say particularly kind of domestically when, so for example, when we have the trials um, in the summer for the Olympics, it's kind of the same three, four girls that um, you know are in the mix. So you kind of get to know how they like to run and kind of what their strengths are. Um, so I'll kind of sit down with my coach once we kind of know who's going to be in the race um, and kind of look at, yeah, how they've run in the past um, and yeah, kind of assess their strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, I'd say I kind of always go in with a race plan, but yeah, obviously if someone else kind of goes off, I don't know, really quick or really slow, you obviously kind of have to be able to adapt in the moment. Um, so yeah, we kind of always have at least like three options of what might happen. Um, and then yeah, kind of similarly, a kind of major chance when you're racing girls that you're maybe not as familiar with, we'd always kind of yeah, sit down and yeah, there's always kind of races you can find on like YouTube or um, yeah, you can kind of definitely um, try and suss out slightly kind of yeah, how they like to run kind of tactically and then um, kind of plan accordingly. But I think yeah, always you've kind of got to be a bit open-minded you can't um, yeah obviously control what they're doing so you've kind of got to be able to kind of adapt in the moment um and how is it Katie with the girls that you compete with are you friendly are you, do you ignore each other do you say hello all the best and how is that vibe yeah it's a bit of a weird one because um also like we tend to go on like training camps as well um so obviously then you're kind of spending like I don't know up to like four weeks um yeah with the same girls sometimes that obviously ultimately you know you're like fighting for those three spots again so it's a bit of a weird dynamic um I guess we kind of maybe appear friendly at the time but I think ultimately everyone is quite a like ruthless sport you're kind of in it for yourself you can't um yeah like no one's gonna um like hand it to you so yeah it is a bit of an odd one I kind of yeah I'd say we're kind of <laughs> I don't know what friends but um yeah it's very competitive at the end of the day so um no yeah. it's an odd an odd dynamic when we go away for sure <laughs> I, I can imagine and I always remember and, and I didn't do this but I remember it did cross my mind Kate that when I was when I was a young sportsman I was looking to break through into the first team at the football club I was at Bolton Wanderers at the time and was in the championship and I was only like 19. I was in the first team squad and was playing an away game, which in the away game, it means that you travel on the day before if it's a long way. And it was Ipswich away. So we travelled on the, I think we travelled on the Thursday and on the Friday, stayed over Thursday night. And then on the Friday morning, did a bit of training. And I was in the hotel and I was thinking, I'd love to play tomorrow. But I knew I wasn't going to. I knew I probably wasn't even going to be sub. I was there in case any, the manager's words were, Luke, I want you to come along. You'll probably be the like 17th man, which means I'm sat in the stand watching. He said, but I want you to come. And he said to me, just in case anybody gets ill. So I'm thinking, how could I help somebody get ill? <laughs> this sounds terrible, but I was thinking as this 19 year old kid, how could I help somebody else get ill? And I remember thinking to myself, what if I put one of them things in somebody's drink that makes them go to the toilet loads? Like, is it a lack I can't remember what the word I thought. If I put that in my roommate's drink and he's, he's got diarrhea and he drops out, maybe I'll get pits. And I felt I can't do that. But it actually, the desperation to get there 
was so intense, but then I thought, I can't do it by making somebody else ill. That's terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but I can, I know what that feeling is like when you really desperately want to get there and it's kind of people that you, you're friends with. Like Even though you're a football player or sportsman, you are teammates and yeah. you want your team to win. But that guy I'm rooming with, we're friends, but he's taking my place. Yeah, no, exactly. It's kind of like that because obviously it's such an individual sport, but you kind of go away on camp and you're like sharing a room with someone that, yeah, you're, you have to beat them to get the spot. So, um, no, it's, yeah, it's really tough. But I guess like being around them and being able to train with each other, like you do push each other on. So, um, yeah, if it's all going to kind of make us better, then I can kind of see positives in it. But yeah, at the same time, it is um, <laughs> competitive. You, you, and you used a word there. You used a word that I think is so important right now for people. You said in the race, I have a tactic, but at some point I may have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And I think that word adapt, not just in sport, but in life right now is so important. Have you found that, your ability to adapt in a race and adapt with your athletics has helped you outside of sport too. Yeah, no, I'd say definitely. Cause yeah, I think if this year's or kind of last year rather has taught us anything, it is just to, yeah, kind of be flexible. Um, and yeah, and I think, cause yeah, like, cause even now, like, I mean, it's not even a dead certain that Tokyo is going to go ahead. Like they may well cancel it again. Um, so I think I've kind of learned not to necessarily focus so much on like one thing in particular and kind of always, um, yeah, kind of have other things on the side, other things that you can do. Um, yeah, if things don't pan out the way you want to. And I think that's really important. And I think kind of had this all not happened, I potentially maybe wouldn't have kind of, because um, yeah, like for example, at the moment, I've kind of gone slightly down doing some like personal training on the side as well. And I think had, yeah, COVID and everything not happened, I would have kind of been so driven by just making the Olympics um, that I probably wouldn't have done that. So I think, yeah, just kind of being adaptable and having um, some options as well is always like a good thing as well, rather than just kind of being so set on one particular thing, because yeah, it may not go the way you want it to. And, what, and what's a, a day in the life of you at the moment and how does your day look? Um, so yeah, I normally start with a session, um, but yeah, obviously at the moment it's a bit tricky to meet with the group and have training partners. Um, cause yeah, I've actually been lucky. I've been given like a kind of exemption to be able to travel. Um, cause yeah, my group are based down in Brighton. Um, so yeah, occasionally I still go down there, but I'm trying to like limit how much I go. Um, and then obviously, yeah, we don't have gym access either at the moment. So I can't use my local gym. So if I do want to go, um, to one again, I've got to drive like 90 minutes um to use a private one down there which again I'm really grateful to have access to but yeah it just adds that much more time to the day when you're suddenly doing like a three-hour drive just to use a gym um so yeah that has been a bit tricky and that's kind of yeah changed slightly what um yeah the days look like just because yeah a lot of time now I've spent just traveling um but then yeah once I've done a session gym I then also do like an easy run in the evening as well um so that's normally like four or five miles um so yeah it's almost kind of like a triple day some days um, so it is a lot, but, um, but yeah, recently also just started um, setting some like running um, programs and doing a bit of remote personal training, um, which I've actually really enjoyed as well, because I do think it's important to have like another focus as well as just, um, yeah, kind of running and training all the time, even though obviously yeah, it's still related to it. But um, yeah, it's nice just to have something else as well. And, and what kind of sacrifices do you make kind of on a daily weekly monthly basis I guess them sacrifices just become your life now it's normal to you but has there been times where you've actually thought gosh I'm sacrificing so much to follow this dream or has that not ever entered your head um yeah there's definitely sometimes I mean to be honest in a way I guess 
with COVID and everything, you feel in a way you're not missing out perhaps maybe as much as sometimes you normally do, because obviously no one's really able to go out. Because I guess the big thing is normally when, yeah, you're in full training or like it's the summer season, you're racing a lot, you've got friends going off on holiday or they're going out and you kind of feel sometimes on a Saturday night, you're just missing out on, I don't know, a birthday or something. Um, whereas at least at the moment, in a way, I've kind of felt actually I haven't um, at least missed out on things like that, which, um, yeah, probably isn't what some people want to hear when they're desperate to go out. But um, yeah, that has made it slightly easier and it does kind of make you realize actually how much kind of day to day normally you do um yeah kind of give up with but um but yeah I think ultimately I would never look back and think oh I've missed I don't know yeah a birthday or a wedding and if I make the Olympics I don't think I'm going to be regretting the decisions that I made at the time I think it would be um yeah definitely be worth it so although yeah there are sacrifices I think yeah they're definitely kind of mm. weighed by if you reach your goal that's kind of so much more um, or, or, or at least a sacrifice of knowing that you're giving it all that you got rather than trying to do yeah, a bit yeah, of both yeah. and not giving it your all. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always think it's great to be able to look and go, you know what, I went all in and if it didn't work, it didn't work, but at least I went all in. Yeah, no, definitely. I think because, yeah, even if yeah the Olympics goes ahead and I don't make the team, at least I could look back and think I gave it everything. And I think that's kind of all I want to do is just feel that I kind of did the best I could and yeah I kind of committed 100% to it I just don't want to look back in a few years time and think gosh if only I'd done this or if only I'd kind of yeah sacrificed that I just kind of don't want that regret and I think particularly like being an athlete there's such a short window of time that you can kind of reach yeah. your it's not like a career that you can um yeah kind of have forever so I do think it's just so worth now giving it kind of yeah like the full commitment and then yeah if it works out great if it doesn't at least yeah I won't look back and think kind of oh what if and, there's, and it's not the margin for error, is it? It's not that, you know, you, you can't afford to miss weeks or days of training because you feel rough from a hangover and stuff. It's yeah. just not that, because that, somebody else was out there on that track while you're laid in bed feeling rough. And I heard a really great um, clip the other day, um, a podcast, a high-performance podcast by Jake Humphries and Damien Hughes. I don't know if you listen to it. They, they interview some really great people. And Josh Warrington who's a fighter, a boxer, he was on there, he's world champion. And he shares a real little clip that just reminded me of what you were saying. He said, they talked to him about sacrifice and he said, you know what? He said, one day, he said, I was just about to drop my mate off at a birthday party. And he said, I said to me, mate, that I've been mates with since school. He said, I'd love to come in there and have a few beers. And, but he was in training for a world title fight. He said, I'd love to come in there now. He said, should I just come in for a little bit and drink water? He was like, no, no. And his mate, he said, my mate's one of them lads that, always getting drunk, always partying. He said, it looks like he's living the dream. He said, and my mate turned to me as we stopped the car and he looked at me and said, Josh, listen, he said, everybody in that party has been doing the same thing since they're 18. They're now in their early to mid twenties. He said, every one of them in there would love to be sat in that driver's seat now, going to training camp to prepare for a world title fight. Everybody in there would love to be you. So do not think that you're missing out on anything because they're all missing out on what you've got. And Josh Warrington said, I just needed them words from my mate at that moment to make me realise that the sacrifices I'm making are being seen, but also worth it. And he said, that one comment from my mate was like, yeah, why am I thinking like that? Yeah. But sometimes we, we think we're missing out on something because we can't have it yet. But he's got 20 years after his career or 30 years, and you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. Because, yeah, I sometimes find the same. I kind of, yeah, I go through like Saturday nights and I've stayed in and I think, gosh, I wish I'd just be able to go out with my friends. But then once you've kind of done your one night out and you're lying in bed hungover the next day, I don't then want to go out again for a long time. <laughs> so, to be honest, yeah, you kind of think, yeah, you're missing out. But actually, yeah, I don't miss the hangover, that's for sure. And did you find, did you, did you used to party a little bit when you was younger? when it wasn't so serious in your mind about being an athlete? 
yeah no I guess in some sense because I went to Nottingham University and like I lived in a house of eight girls um in second and third year who yeah like they weren't kind of particularly sporty and um yeah they loved a night out so I guess I kind of feel like I did kind of experience the whole kind of social scene and um yeah kind of got that out of my system at uni which in a way maybe is actually a blessing in disguise but yeah I did do it that way around as opposed to kind of yeah I went to Loughborough was kind of um yeah like really strict with the running too early and then maybe yeah now I'd kind of find it quite hard to um yeah kind of keep that going so yeah I guess it's kind of swings around about how you look at it but um but yeah, yeah I do feel like yeah experience a lot of um yeah fun nights at uni and um yeah so I kind of yeah know what it's like and, yeah, and like even with running like you kind of get a bit of an off season at the end of the year so it's not like you have to be strict kind of every single week of the year it's um yeah I think it's worth kind of being focused when you need to be and then yeah I can look forward to enjoying and um yeah hopefully celebrating some good performances at the end of the um yeah summer Cool. And, and how do you how do you kind of manage to maintain a level of motivation and desire to keep getting up? It's snowing, but I've got to go and do my running. And because there's obviously there's many guys on here that I know really well. And there's people, of course, from all different walks of life that are finding it, especially now with the pandemic, with the human connection, can't go out, can't do things, can't go for a drink with the friends and lacking that human connection and motivation. Definitely from the people that I know is lower than I've ever known it before. And I'm spending a lot of my time helping people look at things through a different pair of glasses and look at look at things differently to get different results. And listening to you, like you're energetic, you're passionate. How do you manage that when you wake up and you think, do you know what, I just can't be bothered today and I'm tired and it's cold outside. How do you overcome that? Because we could all learn from that, even though we're not athletes, yeah. we all get that. That snooze button is my worst enemy. Yeah. is my worst enemy that my biggest battle in my life is the snooze button I, I wish people had never invented it <laughs> no it is really tough um I mean I think at the moment the one thing keeping me going is I've still got in my mind that that Olympics is going ahead so I guess every run or yeah training that I'm missing one of my competitors is going to be out there doing it so I think that's quite a big motivator to go out and do it um I'd say the other thing is also yeah I suffered with quite a bad injury um year before last and I think having got back to running from that, that's made me kind of appreciate it a lot more. So now if there's kind of a run that I don't want to do, I kind of just try and cast my mind back to when I couldn't run and I was injured and all I wanted to do was go for a run. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's just appreciating that I'm kind of able to and not taking that for granted anymore. Um, so I'd say that also, um, yeah, kind of gets me out the door pretty quickly once I remember all the kind of yeah cross training and rehab that I had to go through to be able to even just yeah run again. Um, so I'd say that as well. Um, and I think also, yeah, just trying to like keep it interesting. Um, like I found that there's a lot of ways to adapt at home. Like you don't necessarily need a gym to be able to um, do all the training I want to um yeah you're still allowed to kind of meet one person um to train with so I found that's really helped like even if you're kind of doing something different or you literally just kind of meet each other in the park just to kind of both get yourself out the door and then you kind of go and do um your own thing I find that really helpful as well um so yeah I kind of think there are ways around it but yeah no it is I think particularly hard at the moment um but yeah I think it's just kind of knowing that it's not going to last forever um and hopefully yeah, we are getting to the end of it so I think um yeah it's just bearing that in mind and and I guess also just kind of setting more kind of immediate goals as opposed to obviously yeah, Tokyo is like the main one, but that's not till kind of end of July, August. So it's also just trying to put in kind of almost stepping stones that I think will help me to get there that are a bit closer just to kind of like help myself keep on track, keep kind of monitoring progress. Um, so that can kind of keep me motivated. Because I think when you feel like you're kind of still like improving and getting somewhere with something, like regardless of whether it's sport or not, I think that really helps. So it's kind of just having something I guess it's like measurable that kind of gives you that benchmark to yeah show progress I think that's um really helpful as well 
Yeah, and, and when, when you think about the places that you want to get to, it's like a team effort as well, isn't it? So when you get there, there's going to be a, a whole row of seats in Tokyo that you're going, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for him, and, you know, you're going down that road there. Who, who's the people in your life that when you look over the last 26 years that you think, gosh, if it wasn't for them, that I wouldn't even be sat here today doing what I'm doing? Who's made the sacrifices for you? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously, like family, I think, are, like, they play a really important part, like, especially from like a young age. Um, yeah, my dad used to kind of drive me all over the country to races and yeah, drive me back and forth to training. Um, so yeah, they've played a huge role. Um, and like, they're there also like on all the bad days when you're not run well and you come home and you're grumpy. Um, they're the ones that kind of pick you up and um, keep you motivated. So I say, yeah, they've played a massive part. Um, and then also just like, yeah, your close friends have been really supportive. So, um, so yeah, see like Gabby on this um, Zoom call, like people like her that kind of have seen you like all the way through so obviously yeah we trained together a lot um, at university and then yeah stay great friends now so um yeah I think having those people in your life that are just yeah really important and kind of keep you um yeah motivated on days when yeah perhaps you don't feel like going for a run they kind of just remind you why you do it and um yeah and like they're kind of there regardless of a performance whereas I think although obviously I've had a lot of help and support from um yeah like the governing body that's kind of a bit more it's great when you have it but you've kind of got to be aware that you can lose that at any moment so I think it's better to like surround yourself with people that you know that that's like a really stable support system and they'll kind of be with you regardless of yeah whether you run well whether you don't whereas I think it's quite easy to rely too much on kind of external support and then yeah when that goes you might find yourself in a bit of a um yeah tough situation if um yeah that kind of unexpectedly gets cut so I think yeah I'd say like friends and family and then yeah obviously I've got a really great coach as well um kind of outside the system that I can always rely on too so I think um yeah I'd say those um mainly and I think it's so important isn't it that you you surround yourself with people that are there when things aren't going well because their their love for you and their friendship is unconditional it's not whether you get a gold medal it's not whether you're an Olympian it's just because you're Katie yeah no absolutely um because yeah I think yeah it's really tough if you're um yeah kind of relying on people that are only going to help when you're running well um and because yeah I think everyone knows athletics that they haven't got huge amounts of money so um yeah funding particularly in this sport is really really tough so if you're relying too much on um yeah the kind of people that dictate that then yeah when it goes it's going to be um yeah even tougher so yeah really important. Well, it's very fickle it's superficial isn't it it's like once yeah. you're not doing well see you later if you're doing well again we'll pick you back up and yeah. where you've still got your family that are there no matter what which I think is a really important thing for friendships and for family to be around people that do give you that encouragement and have you ever had times through your career that you've actually doubted yourself because I know whether you're a business person a sports person you know whether you do what I do self-doubt's always there but have you ever had a time when you've actually looked at and doubted yourself and had to really kind of find some inspiration from somewhere to keep following the dream? Yeah, definitely. I'd say particularly in um, 2019 when I had, um, I tore my like plantar um, fascia, which is like a tendon that runs in your foot, but I yeah didn't run the entire of 2019. And so that meant I lost my funding from British Athletics. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously like it's really tough when you get injured, that's kind of when you want the support most and you want the access to like physios and the medical help and then it all gets taken away. So I think that was really difficult, but I think what I almost found worse, um, apart from obviously yeah, losing like the financial support and um, the medical backup was actually, yeah, you felt that then people had lost belief in you. And I think that's quite hard to deal with um, because yeah, like there's kind of, if they don't want to support you anymore, they just clearly don't think you're going to run well enough to be worth backing. Um, so I think that was really, really difficult. And again, that's why I was so grateful to have kind of a close knit of people around me that kind of kept me um, yeah, going when perhaps that was the time 
most like I think yeah my whole career that I've kind of been a bit like gosh is this actually going to be worth it like if they don't think I'm worth like funding then why am I doing it but I think what I've kind of realized is um yeah I think it was actually a podcast that maybe you mentioned that you're talking about as well earlier with um Jake Humphreys and it was with them Sir Clive Woodward and I think he said something like winning never happens like in straight lines like you're always going to face obstacles um and I think you can find so many examples of like great sports people that have been injured they've had to overcome challenges um but they kind of yeah reached their goal in the end so I think I just tried to take like inspiration from that and um yeah just there's so many examples of athletes that have had injuries and come back stronger um and so yeah although there was kind of a moment when like my funding got taken away that I was a bit like gosh this is going to be really really difficult but then yeah. Yeah, once I kind of just thought actually how many people have um yeah had to kind of go through something like that and they've come out um stronger and yeah still reach their goal I think yeah once I kind of got my head around that and changed my mindset then yeah, I kind of haven't really, yeah, looked back since and just, yeah, really. And that, 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 that isn't just sport, is it? That's kind of business. That's all walks of life. That's EVID. It's a 16-year-old that wants to get somewhere. You've got the distractions of the world. You've got the, you've got the negativity that sometimes social media can throw at you, the way you look, the way you perform. And, you know, there's so many things out there that can pull you down if you allow them to. So I, I totally agree that the people that you're around is so essential. Um, it's If I said to you, Katie, like, when you look at yourself, what, what areas of yourself do you think, do you know what? And I don't mean in terms of athletic performance, because we all know we can lift heavier weights. You can do more, you know, you can do more squats. You can do all of that. When you look at yourself, you think this is an area for me. If I put more time into this kind of mental side of my game, it would just take me up to the next level. Is there a side of you that you focus on on that side? Yeah, no, I think particularly um, kind of, yeah, like, yeah, regardless of sport, I think I've realised the last few years that so much of it is, it's like self-belief and like psychology that actually plays such a big role. I think kind of when I started running, it was so much kind of about who's the best, who's the quickest. But actually, I think the kind of closer you get to the top, so much of it comes down to, um, yeah, kind of psychology and yeah, kind of what's going on in your head rather than just how quick your legs can run. Um, and I think <laughs> I've... Um, yeah really focused on um yeah the last few years because I think also particularly being dropped from funding it kind of made me realize like you have to like have that self-belief um and kind of inner belief that you can achieve what you're trying to because like if you don't then like kind of who else is going to and you kind of can't really rely on other people to like reassure you that you are good you've got to kind of generally believe that this is something you can do um because there's always going to be people out there that will kind of criticize you tear you down they're going to reject you but I think yeah I've kind of realized that as long as you believe in yourself then um, yeah, there's no reason why you. And where, the, where do you think that comes from? Because you know it's so easy for us to say the, the the person that wants to set up a business, or you know somebody that wants to be a speaker, somebody that wants to become an athlete. You've just got to believe in yourself more. You know, yeah, it's like it's like saying to a young football goalkeeper when somebody shoots and the ball goes through his hands and goes in. It's like saying you just need to catch it, son. <laughs> and the kid's like, well, I know that, but how? And so how do you find a way to believe in yourself more when funding stripped things yeah. aren't going so well you may not win the race you're not you're sacrificing lots of things how do you find what strategies do you put into you to create that self-belief that actually I can be in the Olympics yeah um no like it definitely is tough um I think a lot of it has come just with being in the sport a long time like I think kind of with as you get older as you get more experience you see other people like I've seen countless um, number of athletes that are now kind of some of our best middle distance runners they've been knocked off funding in the past so I think a lot of it is just experience and the longer that you're in it you kind of start to realize um, 
like you kind of just I guess also train with more people and you see them go on to achieve things and then I think well actually I've been on a training camp with you I've trained as well as you have I make the same sacrifices like if you can do it why can't I um yeah you see people have breakthrough performances that you would probably assume like because yeah there's girls recently that have really come through the ranks that had you asked me last year if I thought they were going to make Tokyo I'd say probably absolutely not like they're just nowhere near the qualifying time and then before you know it they've had a breakthrough performance and yeah they're close to making the team so I think it's just I don't know you just can't kind of rule yourself out I think there's just anything can happen and there's just been so many examples of people where that's been the case that I think that's just made me think that actually yeah can't it be me um, yeah and, and I can totally as you, I can totally relate to that because there's people on this call that I remember not so long ago was kind of cancelling Netflix because of financial issues to then owning multi multi-million pound companies a few years later so when you see that you go I know that guy and I remember him cancelling Netflix now I see what he's doing that well, it just shows it's possible, you know. And But sometimes what we do is we see these people as these big heroes from afar that they're not real. But actually, when you're around it and you see it a lot, and even if it's you watch it or you see it, but when you actually meet somebody like yourself that's gone through the setbacks and you're saying yourself that you've been around these people that have had setbacks, but then you've seen them out of nowhere burst onto the scene, you're like, wow, if they can, can do it, then I can do it. And I, I think you're right. I think belief comes from what others have done before us that they've achieved, but then it also comes from consistently doing what's necessary to perform to our best level that we know that we can't do anymore. And I think belief comes from knowing that I'm ready for this because I'm prepared for it. I've not just rocked up today to run this race and I've not trained properly. I've given it everything. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I think even this year come the Olympic trials, I'll be in a much different position than I was kind of four years ago, standing on the start line of British champs. I think it's just, yeah, with that experience, you do just, yeah, you kind of learn what you have to do. You appreciate what it takes to get there. And um, yeah, I think a lot of it is just having to kind of go through it and learn from your mistakes. And then, um, yeah, hopefully this year will be the year I can, yeah, get it right. Oh, and it'll be amazing. You imagine tonight we've got Eva that's going to go on to be a superstar dancer, singer and in, in the in Broadway and live in New York. And then we could be in a year's time going, we listen to Kate and did you watch her on the TV today? That would be amazing. I love the Olympics. I love that more than the football world cup. Cause I've lost faith in the football. Now it's just crazy. But you watch the athletes that I said this to you today, when we caught up about tonight, that when you see that athlete cross that finishing line and they just break into tears, you know that because it's probably 20 years of, of sacrifice and the family are in the crowd. It's just, a, I mean, that moment just be, must be so spectacular when you cross that finishing line, when you've actually accomplished a dream. Who's the kid, who, who when you was a kid, when you was growing up, it was like when you watched the Olympics and the World Championships, who's the one that you would be jumping up? Because I used to, I remember you, I don't even know kind of how old you would have been then, but I always remember... Um, in the Olympics, can't remember which one. Somebody on here, if you know, let me know. When Roger Black, it was the 400 metre uh, relay. And I think Roger Black just comes from nowhere and catches up the guy. I think it was on the fourth leg, I don't know. And just takes him. And I remember being a kid, jumping up at the TV. And it was like watching a film that you're losing and it looks like you've lost. And then this Roger Black just comes from nowhere. And I can't remember if it was the third or fourth leg. Somebody on here will know. Somebody will be a freaky kind of sports fan like me who's the ones when you were growing up that used to watch and jump at the tv I guess like my earliest memory was probably Kelly Holmes which was um yeah because obviously she yeah did the double over like the events that I'm 
um, aiming for 815. So, I mean, even now I appreciate even more how impressive that was um, that she did that. But I think, yeah, that was kind of like my earliest memory of watching um, her do that at the Olympics. And I think also the fact that she was, I think 34 when she achieved that. Um, so yeah, kind of knowing it took her that long to do it. And she went through so many injuries as well. Um, I think she's someone that you can kind of always draw um, some inspiration from. Cause yeah, I think also, yeah, people are quite quick to say like, I don't know when you're 27, 28, that's kind of like your peak years in athletics. Whereas yeah, she was 34. So um, yeah, I think she was definitely someone that I remember always watching. Um, and then in the last few years, I think like, even though obviously it's not my event, but just watching people like Usain Bolt, like they just like his charisma. They just, yeah, I, they make it very entertaining. I think they just make it look fun. Like it just makes you like watching him. It just makes you kind of want to be a part of it and just be there. I think he's the, yeah, he was a great person to, um, yeah, kind of watch and be inspired by, even though yeah, obviously he was, um, yeah, doing a very different distance to I am. Um, but yeah, he was probably a standout. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'd say in a funny way, it's almost more athletes that kind of I'm racing against um, that I kind of also take um yeah inspiration from because I feel like yeah I kind of got to know them I see what they do day in day out and I can kind of relate to that a bit more um and I guess also then seeing them do well it that makes it kind of seem a bit more realistic as well so I'd say even though yeah obviously they're kind of not like the big names at the moment but I'd say they're actually people that I kind of look up to and learn from quite a lot just because they seem a bit more kind of yeah people that you can resonate with as opposed to um yeah some of these mm. much bigger names and and what, what lessons would you say that you've learned about yourself from kind of going through the racing to losing, to losing funding, to getting injured, to bouncing back? What have you learned about yourself? Um, I'd say I'm probably like a lot more resilient than I thought I perhaps was. Um, I think, yeah, if someone had told me like the obstacles that I was going to face um, kind of at the start of my running career, I'd kind of probably uh, think, gosh, this just really isn't for me. Like, I just think I wouldn't have got through it. But I think now that I have, um I guess that's also probably what's given me a bit more self-belief I think I'm kind of capable of coping with a lot more than I thought I perhaps was before I had kind of experienced these um yeah setbacks um so I'd say kind of yeah resilience is a big one um and then yeah I think the fact that I'm still kind of really determined to try and achieve um yeah like making the um, Olympics in the summer I think just kind of yeah like my determination and kind of commitment to it is kind of even greater than yeah I perhaps thought it was because yeah it kind of would have been very easy when I kind of yeah I got injured lost the funding to kind of yeah come up with reasons why it just wasn't worth um pursuing but I think the fact that yeah I've kind of stuck at it and I'm kind of still committed to um yeah reaching that goal I think yeah has kind of shown me that yeah there's kind of a lot more in there than I thought that perhaps there was yeah and and how and how how far you've come as well since starting the sport to being sat here now with a potential of being an Olympics it's just it's just phenomenal really and it is a dream like to be an Olympian and a friend of mine and, and get out this is crazy right so I'm at gymnastics my son goes to gymnastics and I'm sat there watching my son and, and you never know who's who do you so you just sat there and I'm watching my son taking my son from the age of eight three or four years later I'm still taking my son he's really enjoying it and sat next to this guy and I chat to this guy every week like two or three times a week for half an hour just chatting how are you doing it turns out that him and his wife was both in the Olympics. Wow. So I'm sat next to this guy and I'm just chatting to him. And then one day he said to me, what do you do? And I told him and kids get to know each other like within five minutes, right? Where adults sit there and you ignore each other for the first month. And then after a month, you'll say hello and then you'll have a chat. And then gradually I get chatting to this guy and I said, what did, what did you, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm into property now. He said, I used to be an athlete. So straight away, I'm like, okay, what, what, what did you do? He said, I was a high jumper. I said, I, I'm not, and there's me, I'm sat here going, was you any good? 
And he goes, uh, well, you know, I compete in two Olympics. And I thought he was joking. So I was like, I started laughing. He went, no, I did. I went, what's your surname? So he gets his surname. I went on my phone. I'm like, blimey. And then all of a sudden, this guy probably thought, I wish I hadn't told him that. Because I'm like, what was it like? And I'm asking him, he was competing with likes of Dalton Grant when Dalton Grant was kind of the, the, the best high jumper in, in Great Britain at the time. And then he says to me, and I thought he was winding me up, he said, my wife is also an Olympian. And I'm like, no way, no way. I can be sat in Retford in Nottinghamshire next to an Olympian who's always also married an Olympian. And his wife um, represented Ireland as a 100-meter sprinter as well. And I, I, I was just blown away by it. And I said to him, kind of what is it like to be an Olympian he said it was a dream come true he said you know what though Luke he said when you tell somebody you've been in the Olympics you expect a reaction like I was giving him I was like this yeah. I was worshipped <laughs> I wanted the autograph and he went people just turn around and go did you win and he said I would go no I finished fourth and they go oh and he said, <laughs> he said he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, unless you win, nobody's interested. So even this guy has been in the Olympics twice at the highest level, finished fourth, I think, just gets that whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's when your circles aren't right because I'm like, listen, mate, everybody I know would be really excited about this. And I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to connect you to him because imagine speaking to these guys that have been there 15, 16 years ago, what they went through. And he actually, he tore his Achilles as he was preparing to compete at the trials for the Olympics, he tore his Achilles and he got over the injury so fast. I think it was the year before, so he missed loads of training. And he worked so hard on his rehab because he wanted to get to the Olympics so much. And he said that that carried him for the rest of his life when athletics finished, that moment of where he tore his Achilles to show himself of what was possible in that dark moment, he's taken that into the next steps of his life. But when he gets a challenge, he's like, well, hold on a minute. I came back from a tour in Achilles to represent Great Britain at the Olympics. I can do anything. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I say, yeah, there's a lot of kind of skills and attributes that you can take, that you can apply to sport, but you can also take that to, um, yeah, kind of life outside of sport for sure. And before I open this up for anybody that, guys, if anybody's got any questions, just be thinking of what you'd like to ask Katie. And it can be about anything. If she doesn't want to answer, I'm sure she'll just mute you. Um, <laughs> so Katie, if I said to you now, kind of, Fast forward many years. So you're 26 years of age. Let's see how good your maths is. How many years will it be, Kate, until you're 80 years old? Oh, gosh. Uh, six. No, 54. I don't know. I, I don't know. Is that right? Guys will be able to tell. Let's so. have a look. Who's Gabby, Gabby's nodding. She's got a calculator <laughs> out on her phone. So, yeah. Okay. So all of years later. So imagine now. You know, you're in the kind of early chapters of your life, not just your athletics, it's a real early chapter and you, you've got all the potential in the world and you're right in the mix. What's, what's one bit of advice that your 80-year-old self would give you today to stop doing today for a better tomorrow, whether it's a mental thing or a, a physical thing? Like my 80-year-old self says, Luke, stop pressing snooze, kind of. That's the one for me and that, that's my stop doing. What's something your 80-year-old self would tell you to stop doing today? Um... I think you've got to be very patient. Um, I think you can't get too greedy um, and kind of almost want something too much and that you then almost, um, yeah, like I think you've just kind of got to be patient with these things. And like, it, it takes a lot of perseverance. I think you can't be too greedy too early on and kind of expect a lot of success. I think you've kind of got to accept that, yeah, kind of like your um, yeah journey, it's not going to be linear and you've kind of got to be, um, 
yeah I guess like prepared for the obstacles that are going to come you can't just expect it to be like a kind of really easy um yeah ride which I think yeah maybe when I started out as a really young athlete I just kind of wasn't quite prepared maybe for the hurdles I was going to have to like overcome in order to kind of get where I am um but I think yeah kind of just yeah so keen to prove yourself and you want to be better (laughs) I think actually yeah just being patient and um yeah kind of just riding it out and um yeah that will ultimately get you further I think patience is a beautiful thing and often people mistake people mistake patience for not making things happen but that's not the case because you can be striving to make things happen but you've also got to be patient that things take time you've got to put the work in you've got to make the sacrifices and you've got to do it often and regular and I I am an impatient person but I also understand for me to get where I'm going to go it's going to take five years so once you accept that and every day you're doing something to get closer to it I think that you can be more patient yeah. I think people get impatient and, and and can sometimes do things today that they want to win tomorrow. Yeah. And if they don't win tomorrow, they're out and they're on to the next thing. So I think that's a great one. So that's one question, Katie. I know you said to me today, is there any questions you're going to ask me that I might need to think about? And I said, no, you'll be fine, which you are fine because you're responding brilliantly. And thank you for coming on and joining us. It's been brilliant. Um, what's, what's one thing that your 80-year-old self would say to you? Put more effort into that that area of something what would it be um I think psychology is such a big part of it and I think yeah again when I was younger coming through I it just wasn't really something I even thought about I think I just thought like the harder you train the better you're going to be and that's kind of like all that makes up a good athlete whereas I think the older I've got I've realized that yeah the margins at the top are so small and actually um yeah psychology and having like a positive mindset is actually such a big part of it um so I'd say yeah that's probably a big factor which um yeah kind of the older I've got and like had more experience I think that's something I've kind of worked on and can actually yeah make such a big difference whereas um yeah I think in the past I think when I was younger I just wanted to run loads and I thought that that was kind of the best way to um yeah be the best whereas actually yeah the older I've got I realized that yeah psychology and um yeah kind of like how you approach things mentally is um yeah such a big part of it too brilliant and one thing that your eight-year-old self would say that they're most proud of you for up to today um I think just being like persistent um I think just kind of like being consistent over the years and just kind of chipping away and um yeah kind of getting closer to those goals and kind of not giving up along the way when obviously yeah, things haven't quite panned out how I would have liked them to um I think that's something I'm really proud of because I think particularly in athletics it's very hard to be successful from a junior through to a senior um and there's a lot of dropouts um kind of yeah when you like people leave um, school and go to university and stuff I think um yeah a lot of people um don't like carry on pursuing sport and I think yeah it's a real shame but um yeah I'm kind of glad that yeah I kind of made the decision to um yeah stick at it really amazing it's brilliant I, I love speaking I, honestly I could sit here and, and talk to you for hours because I'm fascinated about not just sport I just love people and since the beginning of January I think I said to you earlier that I've, I've probably had 14 hours worth of conversations like this where everybody's in my book and listening to you it's like the amount of things that we can take from somebody else and apply to our lives if we're prepared to not live in ego and think that we know everything and we can I work in schools with young children a lot of the time and a child says something to me I'm thinking that is brilliant and I'll remember it and I'll tell somebody else it so I hope there's people on here which I'm sure they are that are listening to you talking about adapting talking about perseverance and persistence talking about you know getting the right kind of people around you to believe in yourself you know, to keep proving just that consistency in time will get you there and to be patient. There's so many valuable lessons that sometimes when I talk to people like this, Katie, they talk about stuff. Then after they go, I never actually noticed that I was that persistent. Or 
like you said, through your career, you didn't realize how resilient you are until you've actually had to go through stuff too, which is an amazing learning for yourself too. And you've been amazing tonight. It's been so great listening to you. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. I'd be really honored, grateful, and super appreciate any shares and subscribes possible. Please give this to any family, friends, and loved ones anywhere in the world that you feel could take value from what you've just heard too. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to speaking to you real soon on the next episode. From me to you, have a wonderful day. Take care. All my love, energy, inspiration. Luke Staten.